All right, well, fucking, yeah, man. It's like literally 45 minutes of prep to get you ready. I'm a method actor. I'm a method podcaster. Welcome to Joe Picks and NFL Team. In this podcast, Joe, abandoned by his San Diego Chargers, is evaluating all 32 NFL teams to find out who he should root for next season. Due to overwhelming support of last week's doubleheader episode, we're doing it again today. However, before I get into the first half of our doubleheader, I'd like to bring up a slight labor grievance. Joe, this is right in your area. <laughs> All right, okay. The NFL, not exactly the greatest employer in the world, banned mm -hmm. two-a-days in 2011 in the collective bargaining agreement. And yet, Joe, I spent all day yesterday doing my own two-a-day researching these oh, two interesting. teams. So, Joe, you seem to have no problem working me to the bone as long as you benefit. How are you any better than these NFL owners? Well, luckily, because we're not making any money, uh, it's technically not work. Oh, is that, <laughs> am I your intern, Joe? We're all interns. No. This is an intern-run project. All right. This gets... Once we get that first sponsor, though, this whole Dan, thing is do, breaking down. you do actually get college credit for this, though. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I need all the help I could get. Yeah. Got to get that degree. Well, Dan, Dan, before we start the Jets, I feel like we need to put a cap on the Eagles because I sadly missed the last five minutes of our podcast. I mean, I listened to it, but I wasn't present for the last five minutes of our podcast last week. It's true. I wanted to bring up a recent development in my potential fandom for the Eagles so, you know, I think uh, it's been interesting. Oh, wait, in... wait, wait. Whoa, Joe. Joe, this is revisionist history. You only missed the drink segment. I think whatever changes you're suggesting, it has to just go into your drink score. That's the only score that's still open. I'm not, I'm not suggesting I change any score. I'm just merely giving a news and updates uh, since our podcast. So I just want to give an update on my thinking because... I think it's been pretty clear from both the Eagles episode and from the Browns episode that, you know, a little bit I've been kind of like flirting with like the the bad boys and girls fans of the NFL. Like I've been kind of enjoying the stories about the angry Browns fans and the angry Eagles fans. So I just want to give an example of how maybe I might want to rethink uh, screwing up too close to some of the fan negativity. So I uh, recently... You know, I think our podcast is interesting. I think that fans would find it interesting to know what an outside perspective is on their team. Uh, so I've been posting our our podcast. I posted it on uh, Reddit forum for the Eagles because I also really oh, liked oh our Eagles episode. I thought it was funny. Oh boy! Uh, and so I Jump. put it out there, thinking, okay, people are going to find this interesting. Uh, so I just wanted to um, just, I mean, Dan, as a co you know, as a host of this podcast, I wanted to uh, you know let you know. Uh, some of the feedback. So Wait, I'm not sure I want to know, Joe. I'm living <laughs> so, in blissful ignorance right now. Uh, this is uh, the 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 immediate reaction. So uh, Sir Flyer McBirdworth says, <laughs> uh, first five minutes talking about Clover cocktail. Yeah, fuck off, Joe. You're not an Eagles fan. <laughs> okay. Well, next. I know you're not an Eagles fan. That's the whole point of the podcast. Morgan Freeman's mole, who describes himself as an Olympic battery thrower. Uh, says, we aren't going to pander so some random dude will grace us with his presence. Pick the team you like most. That is the point of the podcast, Morgan Freeman's mole. It's what I'm trying to do. Uh, and the best, this is the number one voted on response to my post. I don't know Joe, and I don't give a fuck what team he follows. Next question. 
<laughs> so there you have it. The uh, strong feedback. Wait, from, what question were you asking? I said, will I become an Eagles fan? Oh. Question mark. All right. There's a real teaser. They were not interested in finding out the answer to that question. <laughs> so strong, strong feedback from our Eagles listeners. Are you going to update your score on the drink now, knowing this from a three and a half? Well, the Clover cocktail was awful anyway, so I think it was scored appropriately from uh, my wife Liz and her guest spot. Oh, man. You know, that Clover Club cocktail might, might make a slight appearance in the drink section of today's show, which let's just get to it, Joe. Why? All right. Let's, let's do get it. to the New York Jets. New York Jets. Okay. They famously won Super Bowl three in a huge upset after Joe Namath guaranteed they'd win. The past 48 years haven't been as fun. So let's break them down using your system and see if they'll start their return to glory with you as a fan. Joe, will you guarantee to our listeners this will be a great episode of the podcast? Oh, this is going to be our best episode yet. Absolutely. Wow. That's and confident, Dan, Joe. I like it. Dan, bit of Joe Mizrahi trivia that you may not know. I was at one point in my life, I considered myself a fan of the Jets. Oh, wow. Yeah, Joe, it's this interesting. Is- this is huge. This is if we can just tap into whatever that was in this episode, the Jets could come out ahead. So I would say that would have been in about the 98-99 season. Uh, this was a very low point for the Chargers. This was the uh, Ryan Leaf, Craig Wheelahan era of the Chargers. For any Charger fan out there, you know, this was like the worst time because not only was Ryan you know, Ryan Leaf, terrible, not a great pick. But he was also an asshole. Our coach, Kevin Gilbright, was an asshole. Our GM was an asshole. It was not a fun time to be a Charger fan. And this was a really great era for the Jets. They had Vinny Testaverde. They had Keyshawn Johnson. And it was like they were one of maybe the four or five best teams in the league. So I followed the Jets for a few years. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. That is going to be really when we get to the uh, fan section at the end, what's special about the fans, you'll be able to tap into We'll see if you how much in common you have with these uh, great fan stories I've uh, I've picked out. We'll see, but I'm 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 approaching the fan sec- section with a little bit more caution these days. Yeah, well, you should. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what are we drinking today, Dan? Well, the New York Jets are a team based out of New York, and in the ha- uh, history of New York, they've had a drink named after every borough, and we're drinking the most popular of those, the Manhattan. Now, note for all you people out there, and this the angry fan section, the Jets never actually played in Manhattan. They played in Shea Stadium, which is in Queens, and then they've played in New Jersey since then. But we're still going with the Manhattan. I went over to my bookshelf and opened up the Burke's Complete Cocktail and Drinking Recipe Guide from 1934. In it, they listed their top 10 cocktails of the time. Some notable entries are the Clover Club cocktail, the drink we had last week, was number six on this list of the top 10 cocktails of 1934. An old-fashioned, something very much in vogue today, was number four. And the drink we're having today, the Manhattan, sitting right up towards the top at number two. Joe, what is the number one drink in 1934? Can you guess it? The number one drink in 1932 would have been... 34, not that it 34. matters. Would, well, I mean, obviously a big difference between the drink in 32 and 34. Thank you for clarifying that. Would have been like moonshine probably, right? <laughs> no. <not laughs> no. 
This is the Burke's Complete Cocktail Guide. This is the, oh, the it's most be a cocktail. Drink. Okay, okay. Yeah, come on. What's the number one cocktail? It's still the most popular cocktail. An old fashioned. No, that's number four, Joe. You know, but it was just called a fashioned at that point. <laughs> no, Joe. Good, good try. It was not a fashioned. It's a martini. That's the number one drink, you idiot. But number two is a Manhattan. That's what we're drinking today. The drink was invented I think that's in Manhattan because sometime. Because martinis like a catch-all. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Joe. The uh, the drink was invented in Manhattan sometime in the uh, 1860s or 1870s. Some say it was invented at the Manhattan Club, which was a social club designed for the Democratic elite at the time to get together, wear top hats, and chat about important things. Uh, famous members included Grover Cleveland, our only president to serve two non-consecutive terms. Others say it was not invented at this fancy club. It was invented at just regular, normal Manhattan bars at the time. But nobody disputes it was, in fact, invented in Manhattan, which was a big cocktail and uh, elite center in the uh, 1860s. So there you go. Oh, and one final thing. The International Bartenders Association puts the Manhattan in the unforgettable section. Even today, it is still popular. Yeah, no, I uh, love wearing top hats and talking about important things, so I can see why this drink is so popular. As far as our listeners know, you're wearing a top hat right now. Joe, this is connecting back to one of our earlier episodes where you did not have sweet vermouth. Did you finally get sweet vermouth for this drink? I finally, <laughs> yeah, good, good callback. I finally got some sweet vermouth because I knew, well, I had no idea what the other drink was. I knew you really couldn't make a Manhattan without sweet vermouth. Very nice. Well, we'll get into your score of the drink towards the end of the episode, but let's dive into our mailbag. And Joe, the mailbag, oh, the mailbag. All right. absolutely overflowing this week. Thank you to everybody. Uh, we've had so many mail entries. I'm going to split them up between this ec- episode and our next episode. For those of you listening right now, if you want to get involved in the next episode, if you want to have a f- mailbag about what we're discussing today, the teams we're going to discuss next time, send us your Feedback to NFL at JoePixPod.com. So for our first two, uh, we're going to have two mailbag entries this episode. We've got one related to football and one not. And we'll start with our not football related episode, <laughs> but still very relevant to our Philadelphia Eagles uh, episode oh, and okay. conversation we had. And here we go from Superfan Tony. As luck would have it, I was attending an engagement party this weekend with my good friend Elizabeth C., PhD in ornithology, yes, the study <laughs> of birds. I was right. From Cornell oh, University God, so excited and published this. in such esteemed journals as Water Birds, the Journal of Wildlife Management, mm-hmm. and the New York City Audubon. Mm-hmm. She says if she'd have to put money on it, she would take the falcon, not because you can train it, <laughs> but because it is faster and more agile than the eagle. And then out of curiosity, and so for those of you uh, who did not listen to the last episode, Joe and I did have a long debate when we were discussing the eagle uh, as the most vicious of all the bird mascots, and I was on Team Eagle. I thought the eagle would crush the falcon. Joe was on Team Falcon. I was saying that a a well-trained falcon, you could train it to fight birdie. But it it doesn't even need that. Um, Anyways, going back to Elizabeth C., Uh, She would take the falcon because it is faster and more agile than uh, the eagle. And then, just out of curiosity, we looked at YouTube and found a video, uh, some video evidence. Here is a video (laughs) of a peregrine falcon kicking the shit out of an eagle that comes near its nest. 
for those of you that are listening, this is a podcast, so you can't see the video, but I have watched the video, and what you see is the eagle flying around like a large, lumbering, sort of, it's a beautiful, graceful bird, and then this falcon is just swoop, it's like a jet engine, it just swoops in and sort of like hits the eagle, and then the eagle starts sort of like, starts like flailing around, and the falcon does this like five times, where it just swoops in, hits the eagle, flies out of the frame, then the eagle, after about five of these, just gets discouraged and flies away. Those falcons it's are scrappy, man. Very scrappy. I mean, the, the falcon is flying like 10 times faster than the eagle. So there you go. I mean, that's kind of like how the falcons were very good at football. They're just running everywhere, using their speed, using the aerial attack. It makes you wonder what caused the fight between the falcon I, and the eagle. Well, there was, uh, there was, I, I think it was either the uh, eagle was near the falcon's nest. This was discussed in the YouTube comments. Or I think the there was like a juicy fish or something that the eagle was trying to poach. And the falcon was like, get, the, get away from my fish. I think season two of this should be a uh, complete ornithology podcast. <laughs> well, we've already got one listener. Sure. Well, actually, maybe she would be more of a good guest to have on the show. Joe yeah. picks a bird. Hey. <laughs> The Joe Picks A series. This is just the first of many. <laughs> this is, I don't want to spoil it, but the next one is, we've already discussed Joe Picks a Sandwich. So We have a lot of Philadelphia listeners that are curious about my yes. about things. <laughs> Stay tuned for that. Anyways, thank you so much, Tony. What a great mailbag. <laughs> really great I mean, info. And I thank you, it. Elizabeth C. PhD, well-earned. All that effort was uh, very, very useful at this moment. And so now... A football-related mailbag, and this is from our listener Josh, who sent this in all the way from Australia. It's got to be our furthest away listener. Wow. Dear Dan and Joe, longtime listener, first-time emailer. As a disgruntled Washingtonian, I like when Dan says, "quote the Washington team" as opposed to their offensive and outdated, or an offensive and outdated official name. Keep it up. Now this brings up an interesting point. I personally hate the name. However, I find that in conversation with you, sometimes saying the Washington professional football team, it's a little verbose. So sometimes I slip and say the official name, which for those of you who live under a rock is the Redskins. However, I don't like it. So this question got me thinking if there's a shorthand word I could say instead of Redskins that would be appropriate for um, fans like uh, Josh and myself who don't want to say it, but also not so verbose. So, Joe, I've got some ideas. Right, because even like their short nickname, the Skins, like takes like the the part of the name that's the most. Uh, Joe, offensive. you're you're, really, you're getting ahead of this here, <laughs> right? Like, okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. so potentials are, and I went to this website that was looking at the the, the top names they might pick. The Skins is one okay. of them. That's even worse. Another one they had is the pigskins. So skins should be could be short for pigskins. And why not? You have no idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, then the other two, the red tails, which I think would be a great name if they actually switched it, but probably not going to. The senators. But the problem is if I say the senators, nobody's going to have any idea what I'm talking about. And then their other one, which was actually the number one on this website, was the Washington Football Club which I think is a little shorter than Washington professional football team, but it's still a bit verbose. Yeah, and, and sort of sounds a little bit soccerish too, which yeah. I like. I mean, I like it, but 
My suggestion was going to be the skins, but you already jumped out ahead and said that. Short for short <laughs> for pig even, skins, though. Pig seems, skins. Yeah, that seems even uh, worse to me. <laughs> I can't say Red Tail. I mean, so I just have to say Washington Football Club. Let's say Football Club. I like that. Washington, Washington Football, football Club. Club. It's 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 gonna be really be a little bit verbose. All right. Well, that's it. I'm gonna do do the best I can. We're gonna go with Washington Football Club. I can't believe you really knocked down the skins thing. Short for pigskins. It, uh, yeah. I mean, we can call them the Washington pigskins if you want. Well, my friend is vegan, so he might be offended by that too. <laughs> yeah, and as a Jew, I mean, that seems yeah. even worse. All right. To me. Well, all right. That's we're dipped into the mailbag this time again. If you have feedback about this show, any show, NFL at JoePicksPod.com, we'll definitely read it. We've got more mailbag to come in our next episode. Great addition. Yeah, to great. The show. Thank you, yeah. everybody, for the emailing. So let's just jump right in here. Number one, we're actually going to get to the Jets. Don't want a team that is too good or too bad. The Jets, right now, their Super Bowl odds are a nice, even 100 to 1, which is the third worst in the NFL. As mentioned, they've won one Super Bowl in the past, Super Bowl three, which is one of the most famous Super Bowls of all time, certainly the most famous early Super Bowl, the first time an AFL team won, and will play top third, bottom third, middle third, uh, in the past 10 years, win percentage of the New York Jets. What do you think? Uh, I would say bottom third. Playoff wins. Bottom third. Times they've made the playoffs. The last 10 years? <sighs> Maybe middle third? Middle third. Joe. One out of three. On, okay. Terrible. I got one. Well, you flipped the other two. See, if mm. if you really had been a Jets fan, I think this you might have known this. Because the Jets, their win percentage... Is in the bottom third. They're, they're sort of just barely. They're 21st with a mm-hmm. 46% win percentage. They've made the playoffs only twice, which is definitely bottom third. They're 24th. But they've won four playoff games, which is 12th. It's almost the top of the middle third. They're almost in the top third. Because though they've only made the playoffs two times in the last two years, both times they won two games and got all the way to the AFC Championship. Remember, this was in the early Rex Ryan years when in one of those runs, they beat the Colts in the year where basically the Jets made the playoffs at nine and seven. And all these teams were like, oh, this is good for the Colts. They're happy the Jets made the playoffs because the Jets are so terrible. The Jets beat the Colts and then they're facing the Patriots and everybody's like, oh, this is so great. They're facing the Patriots. Patriots going to crush them. They beat the Patriots. I mean, if we'll get to this later, but that run of games was really probably the high point of the Jets history in the past 30 years Perhaps more than that past 40 years yeah no I mean a a a Mark Sanchez led Jets team beat the Chargers in the playoffs as well it was a that was the other year yes they knocked out the Chargers huge disappointment yes that's what the Jets did they just broke hearts and then the other eight years it was a similar thing I remember at the time we were like oh we're playing the Jets fantastic yeah that's no, what the Jets are. I mean, the Jets are a very interesting team, as we'll get into the more we, we break them down. But uh, they haven't made the playoffs since 2010, since the last mm-hmm. time they won mm-hmm. or were in the AFC Championship game. And uh, they've been pretty mediocre since. So uh, what do you think? What do you think about this? Well, they're certainly not too good. They What was their record last year? I think they were 5-11. and mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they're they're sort of in... Within that sort of mediocre 10-year history, I feel like they are in a downward spiral, not a upward trajectory, 
Would you say that's correct? Well, okay. So I'm looking back at their six seasons. So since they missed the playoffs, they went eight and eight, then six and ten. Then they went eight and eight, then four and twelve, then ten and six, but they missed the playoffs, and then five and eleven. So they certainly seem to have this like one year where they might have a chance, and then the next year they just are terrible, and then the next year they have a chance and they're terrible. So this, based on the pattern. Next year should be sort of a eight and eight, nine and seven type year, which is a good year for them. Which is which like, is a good year. Speaking. I mean, sure right. to end a dis- I mean, their Super Bowl odds are a hundred to one, so they're not. Uh, Vegas certainly is not putting a lot of confidence that they're gonna that pattern is going to result in a, a Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, they're certainly not too good. I would say that they're they're a little too bad, but not not like soul crushingly bad in a Browns way. So I am gonna give them a five on this five scale. Tied with the L.A. Chargers, who also went 5-11 and 11 last year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. Now, number two, what do you think about the division? And this is a really interesting division to hear your score on. So this division is the AFC East. It has the Jets, the Patriots, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Since 2002, they've won four Super Bowls and appeared in six. Every single one of those was the Patriots. (laughs) This is probably as unbalanced as a division will ever be in all of NFL history. The past eight seasons have all been won by by the same team, by the Patriots. Then the Dolphins won nine years ago, and then the Patriots won the six years, or the seven years before that. So for the past 14 seasons, the Patriots have won the division 13 times. And the only time they didn't win was the year where Tom Brady got hurt uh, in like the first game of the season. They, this division has sent somebody to the AFC Championship game every year in the last eight seasons. Uh, six times the Patriots and twice the New York Jets. Uh, the Jets' biggest rival is the Patriots. The Jets aren't actually... I mean, they're, they're bad against the Patriots. They're 3-7 and seven in their last 10 meetings. But three and seven is better than the overall NFL is against the Patriots. And given the disparity of quality of the teams, like the Jets are actually punching above their weight there. Absolutely. I think if the Jets beat the Patriots uh, in a year, they're feeling that's probably a good year. Uh, So it's. Look, this seems like it's a really exciting division if you're the Patriots. And this is actually, I think, a good example of how we were talking about when we were comparing the division the Eagles and the Cowboys, how like the division ranking is actually different depending on the perspective of the team that if you're the Patriots, what a great division to be in. You're kicking everyone's ass. But if you're any other team, it's sort of actually a shitty division other than the Patriots. Like no one wants to lose a division 13 out of 14 years to the same team. I mean, it's not like it's 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 three teams like the Browns, you know, they never win, but it's just every year. Right. Set your clock to it. The Patriots are going to win the AFC East. It, it's the polar opposite of the NFC East, which is like having that constant churn of who the division champion is, which to my mind seems a lot more exciting. I mean, look, the one positive is it would be fun to be rooting for the team that is the rival of the Patriots because I think as all of America outside of New England knows it's fun to hate the Patriots. Definitely. Cannot be understated. <laughs> yeah. But but that being said, I I do think that uh, it, this is just not that, that exciting a division. There's not a lot of parody. I don't feel like they're – it'd be really fun when the Jets are playing the Patriots because that's a rivalry. Patriots are good. 
Jets are maybe a little bit play obviously that they 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 play up for the Patriots, but it's not like I'm super excited about the Jets playing Miami yeah. or playing the Bills. Uh, yeah, so I think this is actually on the lower end for me. This is probably a three out of ten for this division. Three out of ten. It's the lowest score today, tying the uh, the LA Chargers. But I think it's fair. Okay, number three. Does the head coach meet a minimum threshold of competence? So their head coach is Todd Bowles. Uh, he he's been there for two years. When we go to that uh, Roto World article, out of the twenty six coaches that have tenure in the league, Todd Bowles was ranked number twenty five. So he's a defensive coach. Was formerly the defensive coordinator for the Cardinals, and then before that, he was a secondary coach at uh, a few places, including the Jets, um, a long time in the past. So here's uh, some key quotes from the Roto World article: Bowles simply didn't have the players to compete. That doesn't excuse a defense that had effort issues from not one, not two, but three of its stars. Revis, Muhammad Wilkerson, and Sheldon Richardson. Bowles let problems fester far too long, reacting with bewilderment as the Jets became the Jets. It was a forgivable offense for a second-year coach coming off a honeymoon season, but one he can ill afford a reprise of in 2017. Bowles is an excellent defensive mind who showed great leadership ability in 2015, Hopefully his team is vested in giving him the best chance to succeed. To, to the point about the um, players stop giving effort, many of my podcasting heroes are uh, Jets fans, and they often will talk about the Jets in their sports podcast, and they were basically saying Terrell Revis would just, on plays where the ball was coming towards him, he'd just like jog out of the way so he didn't have to make a tackle or anything. Like... <laughs> It wasn't oh that God. he wasn't like giving his A effort. He was actively like staying away from the plays that were developing so he wouldn't have to do anything. Which at the end of the day absolutely comes back to the coach because a great coach can even motivate players in a really, really bad season. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if, you know, the article, I'm, this guy probably knows what he's talking about. If he's saying that wasn't just Revis, for Revis, it was just so obvious. But if, right, if it was three right. players, that's, uh, right. that's a pretty big knock on the coach. And it shows in the ranking 25th out of 26th. Yeah, I mean, I, I, especially with the turnover that New York has in their coaches, that like coaches that are relatively successful get the axe pretty quickly if they're not producing decent seasons. I can't imagine that Bulls is going to be the coach of the Jets for long if they don't have a great, like it seems like next season is the make or break season. Absolutely. I think another bad season, it's, it's over for him. Yeah, I mean, I think this guy i don't know too much about him so i'm not going to rate him that low but but let's say a three and a half out of ten. Three and a half out of ten all right that's not the worst yet the browns still are worse second worst yeah the browns coach i can't believe you keep your job after going one and 15 that was his first year number four do the players get in trouble with the law in the past five years what do you think do you think they're bottom third top third middle third in terms of getting trouble with the law at this point, I'm getting things so wrong. I'm just, I'm going to, let's say middle third. Okay. They're in the top third. They are, oh, in damn. fact, second place <laughs> in the past five years with 12 incidents. But I went through and looked at the incidents, and five of them were related to marijuana or marijuana possession. So, you know, some oh, of those. Wow. Yeah. I don't uh, want to get on my soapbox here, but. I think if an NFL player, I mean, granted, all of these were like started with the players like speeding or something, but I imagine there's probably some racial component to it and they get busted with with pot. And, you know, obviously nothing happens to them because they're NFL players, but it shows up on the blotter. But 
for the first time, and I've gotten some feedback about this. I'm going to do my crime highlight. Every time okay. I pick a player and do the crime highlight, and I will do so for our second of our doubleheader episode where I've got a very fun, although horrible, player highlight. But this time, I'm going to go a different direction and say, you know what? It's not just the players who are getting in trouble. Sometimes people in the front office do. And in this time, I'm going to highlight the owner. And I know we have a, we have a separate section for the owner, but believe me, we've got a lot to talk about about <laughs> Woody Johnson. So I'm just going to get right into it and talk about the crime history of our owner, Woody Johnson. And we'll look at how the legal system works for the uh, the 0.01 percenters. Oh, yeah. I imagine it's very different than the uh, also very wealthy players. Yes. In August 2006, Woody Johnson was busted for a tax avoidance scheme. Mm -hmm. Basically, he bought $2 billion in stock losses from some defunct company at a super low price which he used to offset gains in stock he had. For those of you who aren't tax attorneys, basically, he it's, it's a scam to avoid paying taxes on stock gains. And this, uh, this basically cheated the government out of $2 billion in stock gains, which is worth about $300 million. Yes, as you can see, the rich 1% pay a 15% tax rate, but that's what the, that's what the tax system is. Um, the government was upset. They came after Woody Johnson and said the IRS said, hey, that's illegal. In a statement, Johnson said he had been advised by his lawyers that this transaction was, quote, consistent with the tax code. The IRS challenged that, and in 2006, he settled with the IRS and agreed to pay 100% of the taxes due plus interest. So <laughs> I love when rich people are guilty. The settlement is just doing, paying exactly right, what he right. owed. Right. So the punishment was what he. So what's the incentive to just not do this every time and hope you don't get caught? Of course, there's no incentive. I mean, that's the ridiculous part about it. I mean, that's how this is rich person justice. <laughs> He's 100 percent guilty. Okay. You have to do exactly what you originally had to do anyway, with absolutely no reprisal. No, none whatsoever. Uh, so that's it. He did actually have to go and testify in front of the Senate. So that was so he had to go with his pals in the well, Senate. I mean, that's yeah, that's. It's a bit of a punishment. And when he got punished, he just paid the, the $300 million, which he could easily afford. So there you go. I am a little bit sympathetic because who among us has not pretended to buy debt in order to avoid paying uh, stock income? It's, you know, you know. I have not, Joe. I paid my houses, fair shouldn't. share of taxes <laughs> on my stock oh man on my stock yeah. gains no that's despicable Look, and i'm an entrepreneur uh, too my stock gains were earned and i had to pay the full tax on that he woody johnson inherited this all from his uh great-grandfather which by the way is ridiculous that he's still a billionaire based on <laughs> his great-grandfather's wealth but uh I'm the question here is is the team evil and i was ready to you know really give the jets a break because you know what do I give a shit about marijuana offensive? But this is a pretty good example of of evil doing. I mean, we'll see how that plays into the owner information, but I imagine there's a lot more. Yeah, we've, um, we've got so much with Woody Johnson. Yeah, but once again, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go three out of 10 on this category. Three out of 10. That's actually about above average for this category. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it is on the curve of being compared to rape and domestic yeah. violence. This category is, if you're the Chargers, you get 10. Otherwise, the highest score you've given is 3. <laughs> All right, moving right along. You don't want to root for a team your friend Rob roots for. What's, what does Rob think? And by the way, 
Rob will be featured in the mailbag next episode, so we're really going to get some uh, ideas on what he <laughs> thinks. So, Rob rates the New York Jets as his fifth least favorite team in the NFL. Wow. So he does not like the Jets. However, he does have a cutoff that the Jets are at the very bottom of. How could he not like the Jets that much? He describes fairly ambivalent. So the Jets are, I think what Rob would say is that he doesn't hate the Jets, but they are his least favorite team of the teams that he is fairly ambivalent about. Okay. So to keep a trend going, we're going to say three out of 10. (laughs) Wait, Rob doesn't like it. That means you should like it. All right. Scratch that. Seven out of 10. Seven out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, that's why I'm doing my part here. That's a, it's a team thank, effort. Thank God. Okay. Thank God we have the real time stuff. That Manhattan is hitting you, Joe. <laughs> this is the first part of the double header. Stay. Oh my God. Stay with us here. It's true. It's true. Okay. Seven out of ten. Good. Rob doesn't like the Jets. Okay. Is it a city you would enjoy visiting to go to a game? So now you would think, oh, they're the New York Jets, but no. Absolutely. I love New York. They play in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh so okay. I have gone the liberty of looking at the TripAdvisor <laughs> top things yes. to do in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Dan, two questions. Is there a zoo and is there a botanical garden? <laughs> so no zoo. Here we go. Okay. Our number one thing is MetLife Stadium where they play. Our number okay. two thing, which would be pretty fun, is the Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment Track where I believe horse racing happens and gambling, which would be super and fun. And entertainment. Yeah. Okay. And then down the list, number seven, among this, there were only nine things to do on the TripAdvisor list. There was the Therapeutic Touch Massage and Body Work Spa that is also in East Rutherford. And I think it would be a great place to go. Great. Take the whole family there. That that, that definitely has a happy ending, right? Wow. <laughs> it's Jersey. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Um, is this our first team that doesn't actually play in the city that we're talking about? Well, the Cowboys don't play in Dallas. I think the stadium's right. in Arlington. That's but, true. But seriously, if we go to New York City, uh, just to list the the places, I'm going to list the, the top 10 places, and you tell me if you've been there before. Okay. Central Park. Yes. I've been there too. Beautiful. 9-11 Memorial. No, but your mom went there. Yeah, she, when, sure I was she in loved New York it. with them. MoMA. Yes. Oh, I've never been there. Love MoMA. Top of the Rock Observation Deck. I don't even know where that no. is. It's it's on top of the rock. Grand Central Terminal? Yes. Where is that? Is that is that how you take like the Amtrak to get in there? Depends. There's two train stations you can take, but yeah. Uh, a Broadway show? Yep. Wow. See, I've never been to a Broadway show. You lived on the East Coast. How have I done more of these than you? I don't know. Empire State Building? Yeah. Wow. Statue of Liberty? Yep. Wow, look at you. So you don't even need to go there. You've already been to everything. Yeah, and I, I would even say that amongst those things that you listed, those aren't even my favorite like tourist attractions. But in what are your favorites? Like Chelsea Market's great. Chelsea Market, Highline Park. Really, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff. Ellis Island is really cool. Yeah, I really like New York. Obviously, it's a place that I'm going to go uh, in the future. Also, maybe interested in that massage parlor in... <laughs> In East Rutherford. Well, there's so, there's kind of a triplet uh, in the tip TripAdvisor nine where there's a bar that's like number three that you go to before the game, and then 
you go mm. to the game and then you go to the spa afterwards and you really decompress from what you just went through. Oh, so they're just like planning the whole day for you. It is really telling that they couldn't even come up with a 10th thing to just make it a top <laughs> 10 list. They just stopped at nine. Um, yeah, it's New York is probably the best city to be a fan of. I know this might be controversial for people who hate the Yankees or hate, but it's a place that if you live in America, you're going to end up visiting New York if you're traveling around America. So you're always going to have a reason to go back. And when you go, you can catch your team that you're rooting for. Uh, so yeah, this is like, a, it would be a 10 out of 10, but they don't actually play in New York. So we're going to make it an eight and a half out of 10. <laughs> I just was so excited to announce it was going to be the highest score, but. Wait, 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 what's higher? Well, what's higher? It's, it, this would tie Philadelphia with an eight and a half. Oh, yeah, but Philadelphia actually plays in Philadelphia. And I'll tell you, in the email from Super Fantoni, which I cut off after the ornithology part, he said he loved Philly when he used to live there, and he was very happy that we were both so high on Philly. Oh, good, good. Well, see, that's good from people who actually spent time there that they're like, no, you're, you know, they're not saying that we're wrong. Yeah. Philly's it terrible. is good, good, Joe. If we have to please these Reddit fans, let's just keep everything tied with the city so we're not like putting one above one another. So New York City and Philadelphia both tied that's good although unfortunately you've you've put la at a little bucket below at seven so you're east coast bias joe well i mean i've been to la a lot san diego has a little bit of like a rivalry with la uh does the team have player or players i could put on a fantasy roster yeah i don't know about this this is (laughs) dark times and i'll tell you the jets they're on a little comeback here the last two categories have been good but i don't think this is going to help them so they had two people that were playable at running back. Matt Forte, who actually drafted for quite a bit of money in mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. one of our leagues. But he didn't have that great a season. 1,100 all-purpose yards, eight touchdowns. Absolutely playable. Certainly owned by over half the teams. But uh, he was between 20 and 25th. They also had Bilal Powell, who was in the same. He was mm-hmm. a little lower than Matt Forte. Basically, same number of all-purpose yards, only five touchdowns. Still playable. He was on a lot of teams. And then Quincy Ananya, Anunwa, he was playable-ish. He had like three games where he had a bunch of receptions and people paid a bunch for him on waivers. And then he sort of fell off a cliff and um, was not playable at all for like the last half of the season. <laughs> so, you know, he he was sort of a negative because he scammed people and he, they paid all their waiver money for him. One of those players that has like a really hot two games yeah. and then everyone rushes. Because he was great that. in PPR for a couple games. And then the scoring defense yeah. was yeah. fourth to last. I, I mean, nobody else was playable. The quarterback was unplayable. Tight end was everybody. They have two borderline running backs. That's it. Nobody else was playable. I mean, this has got to be pretty low. They don't have a good wide receiver. They don't have a good tight end. They don't have a good quarterback. It's like a two wow. out of ten. It's the lowest so far. I know. I feel it's bad. It's fair, though. I mean, the Browns got two and a half based on uh, Terrell Pryor, who no longer <laughs> plays. But he yeah. actually he was playable last season. The the you could easily not have but, a jet. But, but the Browns. But the Browns. Yeah. But the Browns didn't even make it forward. Yeah. So like, I mean, whatever. we'll see how many Jets are playable next year. It might be none. Number eight. Oh, this is going to be great. Is the owner a monster? So we've already got our little booze <laughs> boosh. The Jets owners, Woody Johnson, as we said, or. Should I say the honored ambassador to the United Kingdom? Yes, Woody Johnson is Donald Trump's nominee to be the ambassador <laughs> oh to the United God. Kingdom, which is generally a role, a cushy role given to a top donor. But 
before I get into all the politics of Woody Johnson, I mean, now that the now 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 that the uh, the Trump administration is is accusing the UK of, of of spying on him and wiretapping him, it's like suddenly a fraught relationship where you actually need a talented investor. Yes, well, we've got the man for the job. So before I get into all of his politics, I've, I've got a little a brief thing. We have to go with one positive, and this is for you. You should enjoy this. I've researched it. I found the canonical document about stadium funding in of all the stadiums across the country. I've got the data. I've got the primary sources. I investigated it. Okay. The stadium. It's exciting. This is breaking. breaking I know. I've dug deeply. On the Joe Picks and NFL Team podcast. Okay. This stadium, MetLife Stadium that they play in, is the only stadium in the entire NFL that was has no public funding. It was 100% wow. privately paid for. Now it does it you have to split this among the Jets and it's the Giants. Two teams. But this yep. is the only stadium in the NFL that had no public funding. So, I mean, I would I would think the good people of New York City or New Jersey know that they're like we're not paying for this shit because they don't need to. <laughs> but that's it. There you go. So, that's one thing going for it. Well, that's that's that is a not so monstrous thing. Okay, um, but then back to Woody Johnson, huge Republican donor, has been for a long time. He was the national finance chairman for Jeb Bush's Jeb 2016 presidential campaign. At the time, he was mocked by Donald Trump for his support of Jeb Bush. I like how you said Jeb with the yeah, exclamation yeah. point. I appreciate. I have that. a lot. I have a lot of. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call them friends, but acquaintances who are big fans of Jeb. And frankly, wouldn't it be great if Jeb were president? Life would be better. It would be a much simpler time. Woody Johnson still might be the honored ambassador to the United Kingdom under Jeb. You never know. But he was mocked by Donald Trump. Woody Johnson was mocked by Donald Trump for his support of Jeb Bush. However, in May 2016, Woody can't, can't possibly see Donald Trump be upset with him. Changed his mind. Endorsed Donald Trump for president, gave him a bunch of money. Such courage. And now uh, has such courage such and leadership. Very courageous. It's, it's tough to resist. Uh, and uh, now he is, um, you know, given one of the cushiest jobs you can get. Although, as you say, with Donald Trump. Diffusing in- international <laughs> incidents with our closest allies. When Donald Trump is a president, normally the ambassador doesn't have to do much. But, you know, <laughs> this is Woody Johnson might have really stepped in. Now, it is asterisk. It's pending Senate confirmation, which I imagine for somebody who's a massive donor is not going to have much trouble. But there you go. That's the thing. And just for a few more details, he inherited his money from great-grandfather, co-founder of Johnson Johnson. His net worth is three and a half bill. And he bought the team in the year 2000 for $635 million. And I would say when he bought the team, it was one of, it went for way over what people expected. And it was starting to show the world that, hey, these sports franchises are worth more money than you think. He sort of started that era of like mm. paying, like when he bought the team for $635 million, people were like, holy crap, that's what, you know, that's a lot of money for these sports teams. And now, of course, it's worth in the billions. Now, this guy doesn't seem great. Not great. You know, the thing is, I think Johnson Johnson's a pretty bad company when it comes to like corporate ethics, like animal testing and I mean, in general, being like, a pharmaceutical company. Joe, we might get sued. Just make sure, make sure you <laughs> say know, these I'm, are I'm your opinions. Saying, this is an opinion show, th- not a news show. 
folks. And I'm just talking about allegations. So, yeah. you know, to, people are saying. To be like Donald Trump. People are people saying. Are saying all over, people are saying this, and you know, uh, I'm just saying. They're very litigious. It has been reported. Yes. Yeah, I mean, this guy, this when you, you know, when you couple this with the huge amount of tax fraud with money that he didn't even earn himself. Yes. It's fairly monstrous. We're gonna go two out of ten. It's almost worse. Jimmy Haslam of the of. Oh no 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 no. Jimmy Haslam's ahead of him at three. Only worse is Dean Spanos <laughs> at one. Yeah, I that 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 is right. Yeah, I think it's fair. Just laying the hammer down. Boy, the Jets are really going to need a huge comeback here. And uh, maybe this will be a good chance for them. Maybe not. Rate the uniform and the logo. So before, I'll just describe a little bit about where the name Jets came from. They were originally called the New York Titans. They were renamed the Jets after Sonny Werblin bought the team uh, in 1963 out of bankruptcy. Not doing so well. They wanted to call themselves the Dodgers, but the Major League Baseball didn't like it at the time. I assume that was after the uh, Dodgers left for mm-hmm. L.A. Mm-hmm. They were almost they almost wanted to call themselves the New York Boroughs, B-O-R-R-O-S, like the name Borough, but they were worried. Like burrowing into the ground. No, no, B-O-R-R-O, like, oh, okay. like Borough, like the New right. York Boroughs. Boros. But they were worried that fans would call them the Boros, which is a Spanish, you know, Boros, which is for, a Spanish yeah, word for, for, yeah, for jackass. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. so they settled on the Jets since they were playing with Chase in Chase Stadium, which was near LaGuardia Airport. And mm. they wanted to show how futuristic they were. They were these yeah. Jets, this unbelievable new technology. And you, as you can see, when we describe the uniform, you know, their colors are green and white. Right. I think it's a pretty clean yeah. looking uniform. It is clean. I mean, yeah, and, and they um, have had their current logo for a while now, I believe. I, I believe so, yeah. It's a simple uniform, I'd say. There's not not too much going on, but at the same time, it's, it's I would say, somewhat of a simple elegance. Yeah, it is simple. You know, the dark green is distinctive. I like their Color Rush uniforms. Those are pretty cool. They were one of the um, first teams... In the, involved in the first color rush game i think it was the oh, jets really? against the bills or something like that but the jets they were they created that well i'm sure the nfl created that but they were the first to participate in it uh yeah look i mean th- the jets are fine i'm not i'm not crazy about them but but they're but they're on the better side i think i'll say seven out of ten. Seven out of ten it's the second highest thus far i think i would say i'd like them slightly less but you know hey you're you're coming you're the one picking the Teacher's team own. absolutely okay number ten do they play a style of play you would enjoy watching? I wrote down in my notes, no next question, but I'll just say the yeah, little details. I don't think uh, I don't think there's a ton to so talk the about. The New York here. Jets were dead last in DVOA last year. They were ranked 31st on offense, 21st in defense, and 31st in special teams. And yet, being so bad, they still couldn't be horribly inept and won five games and will only get the sixth pick in the draft. So <laughs> they... I mean, they're just terrible. It's unwatchable in in every phase of the game. You know, and something that's become a pet peeve of mine as we've been talking about these teams, and it seems to be like a a recurring trend. When you have a coach that you're like, oh, this guy is a defensive genius, yet their defense is terrible. Yeah. And I, I can excuse that if you're like, okay, it's his first year because, okay, maybe they brought in the defensive guru to turn the defense around. Or, I mean, same is true for offensive minded coaches. But this guy has had two years to implement a style. 
a play that is like a strong defensive style of play and hasn't been able to do it. Uh, oh, the defense got worse. The defense was much better in his first year. Right. I would be excited about a Jets team that was like, okay, maybe they don't have a ton of offensive firepower, but you know they're going to be the type of defense that can shut down the Tom Brady offense and really grind out these games. But they are just certainly not that team right now. Two out of ten. It's fair, and that was the Jets' style of play in the Rex Ryan years. Yeah, they ran right, the ball. Right. They had a great defense. Uh, right possession and shut down the other team. Absolutely. Two out of ten by the lowest so far, tied with the Browns. Which you can say fair, fair score. Jets are trouble, Joe. This is you have not been aided. Um, well, the Manhattan, I think, is going to be a nice uh, subsidy to them. Yeah, they're going to get a little boost, absolutely. But now we get into the the penultimate category. What is interesting about this fan base? And I'll tell you, I think the Jets fan base is very interesting. So the Jets fan base has a lot going for them. First of all, at the NFL draft, if if people say, what do you think of the NFL draft, which, by the way, I'm attending in a few weeks, which would be great. New York Jets fans booing their picks right. is just the like booing. the that's, that's number a, one tradition. thing Absolutely. that people think of when they think of the NFL draft, which is so great. And I just I watched some YouTube videos of the Jets fans booing. And the, the best part about it is uh, the the uh, announcer would get up or the commissioner would get up and announce. And with the blank pick, the Jets draft fullback. And they don't even say the name, and the Jets fans start booing. <laughs> so then the commissioner in the same draft would start saying, and the Jets with the blank pick, pick, and then he would just get out the name really quickly. So they couldn't pre-boo before the name was mentioned. Why do that? That 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 must feel even worse for the player because then they're like, they're booing me? Yeah, well. I think actually the pre-booing would be a benefit to the player. I mean, I will say the booing at the draft, if you're the GM of that team, you actually probably love that tradition because it's like, well... Fuck it. No matter who I pick, they're going to boo. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I think if the GM, if they were booing everything I did. It's a very freeing tradition. But I looked at some of the things. So they didn't boo Geno Smith. I mean, they sort of do. So the thing is, for a Jets fan, if they make a good pick, there's it's only a smattering of boos. So that's like a great <laughs> pick. The full-on right. booing is, um, is, is bad. But... I'll tell you when oh, I that's what they should have at the draft. They should have like a boo meter. So you can tell. I wonder if anyone could do an analysis of like the volume of boos and how that relates to the player's corresponding career after that. Yeah. Well, I think the Jets have not had great, <laughs> great luck in the draft. I, that would be a great topic for 538. Like the YouTube video did do it a little bit. They liked Geno Smith. They liked Mark Sanchez. And both of those players did not uh, necessarily have great uh, careers. So the boos are not a great predictor of NFL um, success. And I think at this point, they just sort of boo everything. But I will see. I'm excited to see when I go to the draft, if I don't hear some rowdy Jets fans booing their pick, I'm going to be disappointed. And this is, I think we talked about this before, but this is um, the first draft that's not in New York. Uh, I think it's I right? think it's like the second, but yes, oh, okay. the, the draft is now moving around. So normally it was in Radio City Music Hall, and this is, you know, Jets fans are, are coming uh, No, in it makes droves. me wonder if there'll be less of that tradition if if Jets fans aren't traveling as much. Yeah, we'll see. I'll, I'll be reporting on the ground. Well, no, I think more important, are you going to boo the Jets pick? Well, I'm going to be wearing my... Washington Football Club jersey. So I think I would, I don't want to interfere with their thing. I might boo our pick, but I won't boo their pick. But I'll, I'll revel in their boos. I'll enjoy it. I think it's a rare opportunity to participate in the booing. I don't, I guess, stay in your lane, Joe. Stay in your lane. Now I've got a little uh, excerpt here for my final bit of this segment. It's from an article called The Agony and the Agony of Being a New York, New York Jets <laughs> Fan by 
Anthony L. Fisher, written in The Week. So this is a little, this is just sit down, sip your Manhattan, let me go through this. Unlike some other terrible franchises that can lose quietly year in and year out, the Jets flail and scream and make their presence known. <laughs> the Jaguars have no fan base. No one cares that they lose. The Cleveland Browns have a diehard fan base, but rarely make the playoffs or have lofty expectations. The Jets, on the other hand, demand to be noticed. Everybody loves to see a bully humbled, which is why most of America delighted in the humiliating defeat of the 18-0 Patriots. But the sports world also loves to laugh at the Jets' misfortune, because even though they are rarely favorites to win, they sometimes get close enough to respectability that even when the crash comes, it's so spectacular and dramatic that it can't be ignored. Ever since Joe Namath swaggered into Super Bowl III guaranteeing and delivering a victory over the heavily favored Colts, the image of Namath jogging off the field wagging his index figure is literally the only <laughs> moment of glory Jets fans can point to. It's so ubiquitous yeah. in Jets fans lore, I hope I never have to see it again. For fans under the age of 50, the only moment that comes close to Namath's finger wag is the Jets' upset victory over the Patriots in the divisional round of the 2010 playoffs. That's it. A second round victory is my greatest living memory as a Jets fan. <laughs> oh my God. To love yeah. the Jets is to love spectacular and ignominious failure. And then the article went on for another like two pages talking about the downs of being a Jets fan because there's really no ups. It's just downs. Yeah, it does seem like a very rough, rough time as a fan. And, and you know, the other thing about being a Jets fan that I think it would be particularly hard is, and this is, I think, think the first, well, the Chargers are arguably this too, but we'll see about that. There's a special um, shame in being the second best team in your own city. Yeah. And that's got to be really hard. Uh, and it's got to um, be really disheartening for a fan because not only do you have your division rival reaching these amazing heights of success, but you also have your crosstown rival winning Super Bowls and doing much better than you. When you're walking around the street in your Jets jersey, you're going to see somebody Ugh, walking around yeah. the street in their Giants jersey, yeah. and they're going to laugh at you. There is something nice about being a Cleveland fan where like, there's a shared sense of suffering within your own city. There's not even yeah. that shared sense of suffering within New York because half, maybe even more than half, aren't even sharing that suffering. This is... And I have another note okay. before you give in the score that I think uh, can only make it worse, which is... I think within New York, there are these factions, and I think the Jets have quite a bit of uh, overlap in the Venn diagram with the Mets. And so the Mets, as kind of the underdog teams, right. and the Mets are actually pretty damn good. And, you know, the Mets two years ago went to the World Series. Last season, they sort of uh, were derailed a little bit by injuries, but um, even still made the playoffs. So the Mets are up, and the Jets are obviously at 100 to 1 are down. So I think you'll find, oh, in the group of fans, they're going to sort of have less energy towards the Mets and or towards the Jets and more energy towards the Mets. So if you were to become a Jets fan, I think you might miss out that those people might be really happy when the Mets do well. You, of course, still have a baseball team. Right. So you're not joining be the adopting whole the Mets. Jets, Mets right. club. Absolutely. That whole faction, you're, you would just be joining kind of the crappy part of the faction. Mm-hmm. 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 And of course, when the Mets are bad, which they often are, sometimes they can look to the Jets. But now the Mets are the Mets are good. Now, people who are fans of the Jets and the Mets, are they also fans of the Nets? No, no, they're not. Why not? I mean, you have three New York teams that all rhyme. I think the New York fans are, are fans of the Knicks. 
No, the Nets are the Nets are a joke. First of all, they were the New Jersey Nets. They moved to Brooklyn. No New Yorker is going to be a fan of a New Jersey team. Well, except the Jets. Well, look, I don't know. <laughs> wow, the Jets are a New York team. I mean, the Jets are as much a New York team as the Nets were when they played back in New Jersey, too. I mean, look. No, the Net, the Giants play in the same stadium. I, they both played in the same stadium for like 30 I'm years. Just saying, you can't, I'm just saying, if I lived in New York and was a fan of the Jets and the Mets, I would feel a natural affinity towards the Nets. What a waste it would be if there were a giant football stadium in the middle of like Manhattan. <laughs> I know. On the most valuable real estate in the world. I uh, I don't think being a Jets fan sounds particularly fun. Uh, I This is like a four out of 10 for me. Three out of 10, three and a half, three and a half out of 10. Just in case that half point makes a difference. I do want to note though, as somebody who listens to my podcasting heroes, uh, Akiva Winokur and Rob Sesternino, who are both Jets fans, I love my ring in their Jets misery because it makes me, as a fan of a team that's slightly less miserable, even though we've never reached the heights, we haven't won a playoff game in 10 years. It does feel that even though they've made the AFC Championship game twice, <laughs> it almost makes it worse. Right, right, right. I mean, that's because the point they of the like article. teased yeah. you. Yeah, they teased you. Yeah, no, I just obviously based on our like too good, too bad category, I don't want to sign up for a team that's like, you know, 16 and 0 every year. That's not, that wouldn't be fun either. But like, come on, I've been a Charger fan my whole life. Don't I deserve like a little bit of a break? Yeah, you deserve <laughs> a little something. bit of a break from suffering. You deserve something. You deserve something. And now, Joe, let's. They're, they're already ahead of the Browns. And unless you can give this drink more than a 10, they can't actually catch up with any other team. But let's just give them a buffer for any future teams to come. What do you give this Manhattan, Joe? A drink that must be high on your list. This Manhattan's great. Great history. I think I made it damn well. Thank God for that sweet vermouth. This Manhattan gets a uh, 9 out of 10. 9 out of 10. All right. Highest score so far. Even, even just beating whiskey. Well, yeah, this is like whiskey plus. All right. Whiskey put that sweet vermouth. So that gives them the final score, 55 and a half, uh, comfortably ahead of the Browns at 38 and a half. So the Browns are a no at 38 and a mm-hmm. half. The Broncos at 62 and the Chargers at 62 are a maybe. Mm-hmm. So we're down at 55 and a half. What do you give them? You give them a no or you give them a maybe? The Jets fans have suffered so much. And as we just talked about, part of that suffering, part of what's made it hard is getting close to victory and yet still losing. So I would hate to do that again to the Jets fans and like lead them on and move them on, knowing that with a score this low and with some of the faults that the Jets have, I just don't think that they're going to make it across the finish line. So unfortunately, I think we're going to have to say goodbye to the Jets here this episode. It's... Harsh but fair, and I think the Jets fans are used to disappointment. I think right now, any Jets fans listening to this will just have their like natural instinct to boo just wherever they mm-hmm. are, but then they're just going to get the boo out of their system, and they'll be ready to go. I think, I think they're going to appreciate that they're being dealt with in a straightforward way. And they're better than the Browns. Hey, they're way better than the Browns. We can all take solace in being way better than the Browns. We got more business to do, Joe. We got to get to the second half of our doubleheader. Everybody, thank you very much for listening. Uh, The next episode, which we'll record next, will probably be posted in your, uh, your feed, you know, shortly after this one. So see you, Joe. Thanks, Dan.